This episode is proudly sponsored by The Helix, a new innovation district located in New Brunswick, New Jersey, the heart of the Northeast Corridor. The Helix provides a critical ecosystem for innovation by offering a range of physical environments, a vibrant community of leading innovators, and a strategic central location on the Northeast Corridor. The Helix will uniquely mix workspaces, classrooms, laboratories, venues, and collaborative environments creating a dynamic community and setting for innovative minds. Universities, startups, Fortune 500 companies, entrepreneurs, researchers, and many others will all call the Helix home. Thus far, the Helix has assembled a community of innovative private and public organizations, such as Rutgers Health, the New Jersey Innovation Hub, RWJ Barnabas Health, Hackensack Meridian Health, universities from Ireland and Israel, and others. The Helix is where ideas will come to life. To learn more, visit helixnj.com. From nj.com and the Star Ledger, welcome to the Rutgers Rant, your one-stop podcast for the Scarlet Knights, with your hosts, Steve Politi and Rutgers insiders Brian Fonseca and Pat Lenny. Let's start Shopping. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Rutgers Rant, an emergency edition of the Rutgers Rant. Sound the alarms. Dylan Harper is a scarlet knight, covered Rutgers for 25 years. There's never been a day like that since I've been here for Rutgers. You really can't overstate just how I mean, surreal it was in a lot of ways. That's the best way I can describe it. The three of us were in that room, fellas. And this is how I felt. You can tell me what your emotions were when the announcement was made. But I'm sitting there and I walked into the building, Fanatics in Manhattan, knowing that Dylan Harper was going to pick Rutgers. And if I didn't, if I like any, any, like the zero, the point zero 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 one percent of doubt was erased when when Adrian Wojnarowski tweets that Dylan Harper is going to pick Rutgers. So we knew what was going to happen. And still, when he says the words Rutgers University, on the stage, I'm like, oh, my God, he picked Rutgers. Like, there is still this moment just because of years of watching this program and the feeling you have about, you know, it's something that shoes always going to fall from the sky and land right directly on top of the Scarlet Knights. They got the guy. They got the player. They got the best player in New Jersey, the best, biggest recruit they've ever gotten, an NBA lottery pick. It happened right in front of us. I, I Just, again, I can't overstate it. Ryan, you've covered this team for a few years now. I mean, what were you thinking when this happened? The first year I covered Rutgers basketball was maybe the worst team they've had this century, uh, the past half decade, one of the worst they've had in years of misery. I remember being at the rack covering a 50-point loss to Purdue, just thinking this program may never, ever reach heights like that, ever. I mean, just will they ever be able to compete? So when you're sitting there in lower Manhattan, a room packed with people, packed with people, you have an NBA analyst moderating the event, you have family and teammates and you have thousands of people begging us how do i watch this live from home about a player committing to Rutgers, to yeah. Rutgers, and we knew it was coming we knew for sure for about a week and a great idea it was coming for about a few months as this thing kind of winded down but to see it happen is, is a whole other thing to have it confirmed it sets Rutgers up for its potentially greatest season ever this is the greatest opportunity Rutgers basketball has ever had it's surreal what this could mean 12 months from now, the possibilities are endless, and I'm sure Rutgers fans celebrate it all day and will be thinking about it for the next 12 months. Brian mentions Jalen Rose, and you know, just the corollaries, and this is a five-player Rutgers class. When that guy walked in, or when we heard that guy was going to come out, I mean, holy crap, you know, it's like, could there be any more perfect 
<laughs> and and for you especially, since you were writing about this very thing, I mean, it's just it's just sort of incredible. Yeah, fun fact that Jalen Rose uh, brought up when I interviewed him was that, and I'm sure this has been published a million times, but he actually didn't want his group of players to be called the Fab Five. Like he thought it was a, a throwback to a hip hop five uh, Fab Five Freddy, and he was they were stealing the thunder from him. So I asked him, "Do you have a nickname for this Rutgers team yet?" And he said. Listen, they could be the Jersey Fat Five, absolutely. Um, but I'm not going to give them a nickname <laughs> yet until I go to see them a couple of times next year. So Jalen Rose was excellent as an MC of the event. He was so insightful. And it was almost like a passing of the torch moment. The spokesman of the Fab Five yeah. there to pass the torch to this next group of, of guys deciding to come together at Rutgers. The, the, the similarities are just, it's, it's impossible to ignore. And I get it that people in Durham, North Carolina, or Chapel Hill, North Carolina, or Lexington, Kentucky think we're stark raving mad about this, right? Like they get players like this all the time. It's not a big deal. But for Rutgers to go toe to toe with Duke, Kansas, Indiana, and I, I went up and added it up, you've got three programs with 14 national championships and 41 Final Four appearances. But for, for Rutgers, a program that 10 years ago, if you told me this, you know, if you told me 10 years ago that Donald Trump will be running for re-election as president, I'd be like, all right, well, that's possible. But compared to this, like that Rutgers would have a recruiting class that would beat out all of these national powers that have the two NBA top five like likely lottery picks. It's just, I mean, you can't say it enough from where this program's been, Brian. I guess I keep on coming back to that. And like, look, we should we should move on. Steve Peichel's got it in a different place. It is not the same Rutgers you covered when you started covering this team. Facilities, coaching, resources, Big Ten, the whole thing. Everything's changed. But still, I mean, that wasn't 40 years ago. That was like that was like five years ago. Yeah, and I agree with you that this program is in a different place. But to go from the absolute basement to a really good floor they've built to this is an, yeah. an even bigger jump. You're competing with the big boys for this talent. They beat out Duke, a program that gets every kid they want. They've had something like four of the top number one classes in the past decade. They get the, the kids. They've gotten Kyrie Irving out of New Jersey. They've gotten Dante Jones out of Rutgers. They've gotten Bobby Hurley. They've gotten all these kids for as long as you can remember. And I know it's John Shire and not Mike Krzyzewski, but the aura of Duke is still there. And Rutgers beat out Duke. Duke wanted Dylan Harper. Dylan Harper was John Shire's, one of his first major targets. They went after him hard. Duke beat out Rutgers. That is an almost unfathomable. You said that backwards. Even now you can't say it correctly. Rutgers beat out Duke. (laughs) Right. Even now it's hard to put the sentence. It's convoluted. Exactly. Yes. Like Rutgers beat Duke. We have no idea how this will work out on the floor. That's something that will be decided months time from now. But again, like it puts you at a point where you think maybe Rutgers can compete with Duke and these blue blood programs on the court and that they can, have that run in the NCAA tournament in in uh, in a year. Like I, I'm not sure this is a sustainable thing. I'm not sure that Rutgers is going to be competing with Duke, with Kansas, with Indiana for these top ten recruits forever from now on. But to do it for one year, to put together, to become the third program in the past 15 years to have two top three kids in a recruiting class, to join Duke and Kentucky in doing that, I, I don't think any Rutgers fan in their wildest dreams could have imagined this would happen ever. A few more things I want to mention just from the, the ceremony itself. And and I, I think we would be remiss. So obviously he says it, you know, he says going to you know, college, to Rutgers University. And then Jalen Rose brings the family up there. And I think it's important, like this does not happen without 
the relationship that Steve Peichel has made with that family. And it starts with, of course, Ron Harper Jr., who he helped from a two-star, from a guy who's just announcing his, his college destination in a gym like normal players do, you know, to a guy who's on an NBA roster. And it happens because of that and of because of Maria Harper. I mean, Rutgers fans, holy cow, if she's not on your Christmas card list, you know, Dylan Harper's mom is the one who said, you know what? I'm not blown, I'm not blown away. I don't, I don't care about the national championship banners at Duke. I'm not impressed with, you know, Kansas's facilities and all that stuff. You know, she just it's about relationships and she she could have blazed her own path and she didn't care about that. And it's about Dylan saying, you know, I looking over there and seeing his two grandparents who are, you know, getting up in age and thinking, all right, you know, this is an opportunity for me to play a year where they can get to my games. And they were sitting in the front row beaming. I just can't tell you how much I love the, all the fancy stuff happening in this fanatics and, you know, autographed jerseys and all this stuff in this building. There's just this, you know, elderly Filipino couple sitting in the first row of this, like with big smiles on their face, Pat. It's just, it was just like, it was so adorable. You know, the best word I can use was adorable. When you think of recruiting, everyone always says, oh, it's about family and trust and all these things. And you, you never really know. But when you have that relationship with the Harpers, that was it was transcendent in this process. There's no question about it. The, the, the faith that the Harper family has in Steve Peichel and Brandon Knight and those guys, you can't really describe it. The way they took Ron and made him a superstar and developed him, I think that's really important too. You know, Dylan Harper still is a tremendous talent, but he still has to develop. And and that's one of the things that scouting experts say is like, he's made a huge jump in high school, but he can still make a, another tremendous jump as a college player. And they believe Pike was going to be the guy to do that. So it was such an adorable moment. There were tears in people's eyes and the family and Jalen Rose had a, a, like a really great idea for Dylan to go person by person in his family yeah, and say like something nice about every member of his family. And Dylan is great. He's a very well-spoken kid and was very sentimental and spoke really well about all of his family members. And I forget exactly what dish he was like talking about from his grandparents, but he, he was like, oh, grandma, you make the best blank. Yes, that was great. Up. I would love to get invited over to the Harpers for, for, for whatever it is. It sounded delicious. Yeah. Adobo, uh, I think. Adobo, yeah, 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 it could be. Adobo, yeah. And then, of course, there's the special call. And this is like, I love that. So that's just what's going on. I mean, I, I'm at the point, I'm gobsmacked. Jalen Rose says, like, and we have a special call later. And if he had said, and on the line now, Joe Biden from the White House, I would be like, okay, that fits. I mean, that's kind of the crazy day. Instead, he said, of course, it's Ace Bailey. Uh, and Brian, I mean, you you obviously covered Ace Bailey. He's the number three recruit in the class. In some ways, might be a better NBA prospect than than what Dylan Harper is. You know, you saw that even through the phone, you could see that this kid, like Dylan was kind of playing it cool. This kid was going crazy on the phone, going nuts about it. You know, like he was legit, he was legit excited about that. Yeah. And I think this is what Ace Bailey had hoped for when he did commit to Rutgers. I don't think the possibility of playing with Dylan Harper was front of mind, but Dylan Harper even said that seeing Ace Bailey take that jump and commit to a program like Rutgers and blaze the trail much like his brother blazed the trail, helped jog some ideas for him. They weren't particularly close when Ace Bailey committed in January, but they started talking from there. They've developed a relationship where they talk with each other every day. They you know, participated in a ton of events over the summer and really, really grew close. So I think that was really genuine from Ace Bailey. I think 
They really, really like each other. I think they're very excited about playing with each other. And I really think that they have high hopes for what they can do. Dylan Harper talked about winning a national championship at Rutgers. And <laughs> I know so many kids say that. You almost have to say that, right? I think he legitimately believes this. I think it's possible when you have those two kids together, obviously, you have to build a base around them, a good supporting cast, and those are all things we'll talk about in the coming days. But when you have those two guys as your foundation, they give you a chance to do something special. And I think, again, like Ace Bailey's on the phone screaming, yeah, it's going to be big. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be lit. It's going to The rack is going to be on fire and all these things. I, he, I think he's swept up in the emotion as much as everybody I think Dylan was being a bit coy and saying that Ace Bailey found out today, like everyone oh, else. Oh, yeah. Come on. Right. I think he yeah. knew for a while. He, he linked it to Woj. <laughs> I, <laughs> that I kid. I thought it was a very cool idea. I don't know if it was Jalen Rose's idea, but it was a very cool idea to get him on the line. And I think mm-hmm. that was probably Rutgers fans' favorite moment of the day to see, you know, this duo that they'll get to watch complement each other on the floor, play together. They're going to turn – Jersey Mike's Arena into an absolute madhouse for four months. It's going to be great. All right, let's do some true or false. If you're just coming to our podcast for the first time, we like to do a little segment here in the middle of it, break things up, give a couple statements to my esteemed colleagues here, and they'll decide if it's true or false. So it's pretty much that simple. Here we go. True or false? Dylan Harper and Ace Bailey might not be one and done. There's a chance they'll stay. Pat, true or false? Yeah, there's a chance. There's a chance. Uh, true. There's, there's a chance I'll hit the Powerball, too. Brian, I think you know the answer. This one, true or false? Absolutely false. Yes, it's false. And I, I love the no, what, the well-meaning people, but they are out of here. What I would say is if they are not one and done, that is a bad sign. You That's want these true. guys to be one and done. Yep, absolutely. Great because point. It, they are all projected to be top five picks in the admittedly very early mock drafts for 2025, but they're top three players. They have huge expectations on them. If they don't go top five, something catastrophic happens. True or false, Rutgers will reach the final four with Dylan Harper. Pat, it's too early to play this, but it's what we do. It's what we do. If he believes it, I believe it. Oh, man. True. Love it. Brian? I won't go too far in this, but I do think if they get a good supporting cast around him, and I do think that having those two players makes Rutgers a very attractive place for transfer targets. I think they're going to have to go pretty heavy on the transfer market to bolster the team. And I think having them together is a very big selling point. I'm not quite ready to say their final four locks, but I will say if they have a great regular season, as history shows they will, if they get into the East Regional and they make it to a Sweet 16 at the Prudential Center, I think that is three quarters of the way to a final four because 80% of those seats will be in Scarlet and the rack will move up the turnpike and it will be one of the greatest environments in NCAA tournament history. And once you're in that, I think that gives you as, as good a chance as they've ever had to reach a final four. All right. I'll take that as a maybe true. I'm going to go. It's just so hard to make the final four guys. I'm going to go false. The next one though, true or false. We are getting way ahead of ourselves. It's quite possible that Rutgers will struggle to make the NCAA tournament. Pat, true or false? How can I say they're going to go to the Final Four and then struggle to, <laughs> struggle to make the... I just uh, said, is it possible? I think the talent is so transcendent that it's it's not possible. Okay. False. 
Right. The overwhelming majority of top three recruiting classes in the past decade have made the NCAA tournament. It is more likely they reach an elite eight than it is they miss the NCAA tournament. I will say absolutely categorically false. It'll be about what seed they get, not whether they get into the tournament. All right, I'm, I'm going to be the guy who throws the bucket of water here because I covered the Seton Hall team. I was my beat in 2000 when Seton Hall had Eddie Griffin, Andre Barrett, Marcus Toniel, the, one of the top recruiting classes of the country. They went 15 and 16 lost in the first round of the NIT. I mean, stuff happens, man. I mean, it's tough. It is. I, I'm just saying it's possible. Possible. Not likely, but possible. So I'm going to false. I can win the Powerball as well. Yes, it's also possible, Pat, but not likely. True or false, the family was right to be mad at the Woj bomb. I mean, this was the story within the story. Adrian Wojnarowski breaks this breaks this news uh, 10 minutes before it happens. Pat, were they right to be angry? True, absolutely. You, you would think a guy that has 8 million followers on Twitter could let a high school kid have his moment. Brian? True, because these things, again... Everyone in the room knew he was going to Rutgers. Most people tuning in knew he was going to Rutgers. But you usually let high school kids publicly announce their decision and then report it. I don't know the mechanics of this. I don't know who he talked to to figure this out because I'm sure Woj knew he was going to Rutgers well before this. I think it sucks in the short term because it does steal the moment from the kid. I do think in the long term it is valuable because having Woj tweet about that and get hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of views on that tweet – it's, it builds the brand. Sure. I think it's certainly good for Don Harper and Fanatics in the long term. In the short term, I can understand why he and his family were so upset. And I mean, Ron Sr. is probably still tweeting at Woj this morning. So I can totally understand it. Uh, I, the only thing I can say about it, and I've known Woj for 25 years, uh, I'm going to say they're okay to be mad about it, but I just feel like behind the scenes, something happened. Like Woj, Woj does not need the scoop for his career obviously that goes without saying somebody reached out to him and said well let's you know we should let's you break this story and I, I wonder if fanatics was involved again they were mentioned in the tweet so you see that like a sponsor obviously they want as much as anybody like that's not usually how most breaks news by by linking to the account of you know another company I just think there's something else at work. I don't think we have all the information as best I can say it. The fact that the family was angry as they were leads me to believe that they certainly believe something here happened that went against an agreement. I, I trust them on that, but I just wonder, miss, is a misunderstanding possible? I don't know. I mean, I just don't, again, I just know Woj doesn't need this, doesn't want to ruin this kid's moment. I, I just, you know, I, I come back to that a lot that, that some, that something else here happened. So. I guess maybe we'll find out in the coming days. All right, a couple more. True or false? The Wake Forest loss is proof the current team won't sniff the NIT. And it's a great, this is a great moment. I get in the car last night, all this buzz about Rutgers winning. I turn on the radio and there's Jerry Recco. And Wake takes a 16 to 3 lead. I'm like, that is perfect, Rutgers. Pat, is this, is this team in deep trouble? We're not even talking about a postseason team at this point. It's a bad, really bad stretch. Maybe they recover against Seton Hall. So. I think it's a little bit too early to write them off for the NIT, but uh, it's certainly not looking good. Brian? I think we could scratch NCAA tournament trips from our calendar. Yeah. I think the NIT is still alive. I certainly think this team could finish with a winning record. I'm not 100% convinced like I was you know, most of the last three seasons. This certainly could be their first losing season in something like five years. They look 
disjointed. They are getting killed on the glass. They can't score. You can only press for so long. And I'm not sure there's any solution. That's kind of what the – I know Steve Peichel has done a really good job of rallying the troops in the past. I think he'll be able to right the ship to a certain extent, but you're limited with the pieces you have. They don't have shooting. They don't have a big who can finish around the rim. They don't have guards who can slash and attack the rim and finish and create and shoot. And Unless there is dramatic development of unprecedented proportions, I think this team – certainly can miss the NIT. All right. And that, that's a good transition into the questions from our Rutgers insiders. Again, everyone, if you don't subscribe yet, this would have been a good been a good time to have us because we were texting the heck out of it. NJ.com slash insider. Uh, we got a bunch of questions from them this week. A lot of them are related to the current team because I think it's on people's minds. They watched that game. It was a buzzkill. There's no other way to put it. And here's one. I guess this this and this is this is ties into well. Do you think the class they have signed for next year is affecting the players on this year's team, knowing that they might lose their position next year. I don't know. You know, Pat, is that, you've covered a lot of teams. Is it possible that they see all the attention the incoming recruits are getting and it, it, it it's weighing on them? I think, yeah, absolutely. Um, there's always a chance, especially in the new age of the transfer portal and things like that. I think it's, uh, it's realistic, but I think Pykele is a guy that is so honest and so speaks the truth. Uh, he's not going to, miscombobulate the way he recruited these guys he's going to be honest and upfront and so i i don't think that there will be like defections because of dishonesty or things like that it, it it'll be just come down to playing time simply and it, and if you're not going to be on the floor then that's your own you either compete or you don't and and i think that would be the reason not because of something that you know pico was dishonest with them about or something like that Experience the Heldridge Hotel, a luxury hotel that's perfect for both the business and leisure traveler. Ideally located within minutes of Rutgers University, the Heldridge is convenient to all the action and activities at SHI Stadium, Jersey Mike's Arena, and the Rutgers University campus. The moment you walk through the doors of the Heldridge Hotel and Conference Center, you know you're someplace different. A place with an independent spirit and a boutique vibe. A place where you can immerse yourself in your meeting or event as easily as you can the local culture. Located in the heart of the city, the Heldridge lets you experience all that New Brunswick has to offer. Whether you're coming to New Brunswick for a fun weekend with friends, in town for a Scarlet Knights game, or attending a business meeting, book your accommodations today at theheldridge.com. A related question to that, Brian, is it, and it's about chemistry. How bad is the chemistry on this team? Some people are suggesting that the team is not close and players do not like each other, which is manifesting in, in itself into how they're playing. Don't we, I don't think we have that information. That's true. Clearly, chemistry sucks. <laughs> it's not like, I mean, you can see it live. They come out and they're down 16 to 3. That's a problem. And look, maybe we shouldn't be surprised. You took, off, you took the starting backcourt off the team uh, through NIL, losing Paul McKay and Cam Spencer, and now you're here. With, with trying to blend in new guards, a bunch of new players trying to find their role. Yeah, I think chemistry is a big issue. Chemistry is a very recurring theme for Rutgers fans every time this program goes into a slump. It's happened, I've heard this plenty in the last three or four years. I think the previous question about the recruiting class coming in, I think all of this is like attempts of rationalizing the fact that they just don't have that much talent and they're just not that good of a basketball team. I think people don't want to face that reality and want to look towards these external factors that could somehow magically be fixed and suddenly guys can start shooting 37% on threes and finishing their layups and grabbing rebounds and all these things they're not doing. 
I think that's the big issue. I think they're just not that good. And to your point, they lost two of their best players that they expected to have on the roster, which is a big dent. Cam Spencer would have been invaluable for this team. Paul Mulcahy would have been invaluable. They can't come back. They're, I don't want to say stuck because that's not the right way to say it, but Jermichael Davis is playing significant minutes. In an ideal world, he is either redshirting or playing a very minimal role in developing this year. He's not ready to be a mm-hmm. contributor as a college freshman. Gavin Griffiths, highly rated kid. In an ideal world, he is your third scorer, your fourth scorer, a role player, and not the guy you put all your eggs in the basket to save an offense that's lost. In an ideal world, Cliff Amore lives up to the billing as the second or third best big in the Big Ten. In an ideal world, the transfers you get elevate the team and make up for the losses. None of that is happening. And I think Rutgers fans, and understandably so, don't want to confront the reality that it's going to be a long two more months. Not to be Debbie Downer, I think that's the reality. Again, they could turn things around, but the, the outlook is bleak. And I think this was always looked at as the year before the year, right? We looked at this 2024 recruiting class. That was going to be the year. This was going to be rough in comparison. And I, I said this, I think, in the summer. It's one thing to know that, to brace for the fact that this is the year before the year. To live through it is tough, especially after consecutive years of playing for postseason basketball. Right. You're just going to have to grind through the next two months. We'll be at a lot of Don Bosco games this year. Follow our Twitter feed and watch our Dylan Harper updates to cheer you up. I think that's going to be really your bigger source of happiness than uh, watching this team this winter, unfortunately. All right, Dave from Basking Ridge has a great question. How many kids on the current roster are going to hit the transfer portal given how great a class is coming in? All right, so I went into, which I tried to figure this out. Brian, you probably have a better sense of it than I do. But I'm if I am looking at the roster correctly, there's only like four guys on the team that I am certain will be on the team next year, right? They are Derek Simpson, Jermichael Davis, Gavin Griffiths in the backcourt, and Antoine Wolfolk up front. Like, is there someone else that you can say, oh, no, you're you're forgetting blank, will certainly be on the team next year? I no longer say anybody will certainly be on the well, team. Well, right, but you know what I'm saying, yeah. I, yeah. Have a high probability. Let's Correct, let... that's a good way of saying it, better way of saying it, absolutely. So guys we know for a fact will not be on the team. Austin mm-hmm. Williams, Oscar Pompos. Mm-hmm. Oscar Pompos does have another year of eligibility. Does he really? He God, he's been around forever. Okay. Yes. So Andre Hyatt, Austin mm-hmm. Williams, Noah Fernandes. Cliff Omori has another year, but barring a major reversal. He's gone. Right. A guy you forgot in your list, Jeremiah Williams, who his oh, situation still has right. to get sorted out. It's yeah. unclear if and how much he would get punished for the gambling thing. The NCAA right. is still working that stuff out. I would say that's a fair list. I don't think it's impossible that other guys stay. And I think it's a little too early to be speculating about this right. stuff. But I will say it probably is would be good for Rutgers to clear some space. And you have those five guys coming. You have the five incoming freshmen. And then you have three more scholarships to grab guys in the transfer portal. Right. Like grab reinforcements, add to the talent, and build a supporting cast around Ace and Dylan, who are – day one starters those kids are starting they're playing a major role i don't think any of the other freshmen in their class are and you need to get experienced good players that will elevate this program to supplement the incoming freshmen and the role players returning right yeah and pat this is just just where we're at i mean this is 
this is college sports in 2023. I mean, we haven't seen it at a level yet at Rutgers because the football teams, are, you know, the pipeline developmental, all that stuff. And because basketball has been the same way with, with loyal players that Steve Peichel's kind of brought along throughout this, but now, yeah, this is it. The roster is going to turn over almost every year. Look at the transfer portal. There's like 2000 football players in it. I mean, this is it. It's definitely a different, uh, it's the, the, pre- the professionalization of college sports is here. And this is just the way it is. Uh, obviously you saw the proposal that the NCAA president, Charlie Baker put out about, creating a new subdivision that would pay players. And so, yeah, every year is just going to be a new, a new team. And the way you manage your roster is going to be just as important as recruiting, right? Like how do you keep guys? How do you find new guys? It's everything has changed and you you can't expect anything. The speculation is just always going to be there. All right. Some good questions about the NIL aspect of this with Dylan Harper. Uh, who got the deal inked with Fanatics, and will that be a continued pipeline for Rutgers Athletics? First part of that. Second part, a bigger picture. Do you think signing Harper and Bailey will increase the amount of NIL coming in? Now that it's all built, will they come? That's great. And we talked to the uh, Fanatics guys, and look, I, we asked them directly about what the deal is. And it, it's it's autograph signing, uh, trading cards. I mean, Brian, you can elaborate on it. But the key part, the key part I got out of it is that if, if Dylan Harper walked to the front of the room and said, I am going to Duke. The, the fanatics deal was part of like, it didn't matter where he it's independent of Rutgers. Yes. This is nothing to do with Rutgers. He could have committed to Monmouth. The fact he's the top two player and a future NBA lottery pick is what is attractive to fanatics. This is what these companies are doing now that you can make deals with high school players is they're getting in very early, much like agents try to get very, get in very early with these top prospects to eventually hopefully cash in when they make it big. That's what fanatics is doing. It's a multi-year deal. These PR guys, they're very slick. They would not tell us how many years is in a multi-year. <laughs> so it could be anywhere from two to 200, but it's a multi-year deal. It's not contingent on him going to Rutgers or even going to college. It's uh, just happens to favor Rutgers because it's an NIL deal that pays him for his talents. And he already is from a family that is of good means. They're not hurting for, for money. And this supplemental income is also good. So it maybe it takes a little less pressure off of Rutgers to have to match what these other programs would do. I don't know where the NIL money is coming from. Dylan Harper said money is not important to him. Mm-hmm. I'll take that at face value. Fine. you got to pay these kids something because they would make a lot of money at Duke, at Kansas, at Auburn, at all these places pursuing them. I don't know how much they're making. I don't know who is paying them. I would have to imagine the donors at Rutgers – presented the possibility that Rutgers could land two top three kids if there is enough to support them. Maybe not match exactly what Duke is making or Kansas is offering, but a competitive offer. That, that's all that's missing to get these kids. I'm sure they would step up. I'm not going to pretend like I know. I know there's the idea that maybe Adidas, some company like that is helping fronting the bill. If Dylan Harper and Ace Bailey sign Adidas deals once they get on campus, I guess we'll know that for sure. I don't know. I'm not going to pretend, but I do think there's some element of that involved, obviously. Pat, I think what we're seeing here is that there's like a couple of pot. There's a couple of piles. That's like the best way I can describe it. It's like, he's definitely getting some money from fanatics. I'd be, I'd be really surprised if he wasn't getting some money, if not from the collective for, for some other, some other deal. And Steve Peichel can go to some, it's not like going to someone and say, Hey, we need, you know, we need to, we need to, we need just need money. We didn't need a rant like for a rant. Like, no, we need money for Dylan Harper. 
is like a different conversation than, oh, we need an eye. Like, could you give us some cat? It's like a different conversation. So I'm sure there's some of that going on. But yeah, to Brian's point, it's not, it is not what Kansas and Duke would have paid. It's just, I mean, we've heard crazy numbers there. Yeah, absolutely. And bigger picture aspect of this too is that now that it is built, like our like the question said, the grassroots donations are going to start pouring in. I think if you talk to the Knights of the Raritan people or John Newman, whomever, that the groundswell of excitement over this is just going to be mm-hmm. uh, a huge, a huge boost for, for fundraising and the excitement. Everyone's on going to be on board. Like the, the Bernie Sanders donations of like $10 are going to start pouring in and adding up. And I think that makes a big difference, right? Like you stir the pot with these great guys and everyone's so excited and you can capitalize on that excitement. So I think of course there's, there's a huge pool of big picture donations that played a big part of it. Uh, fanatics played a big part of it and now the ground the grassroots movement is going to pick up the rest for me maybe not even the big names maybe the guys the ancillary pieces uh i do want and like not to dismiss the idea that fanatics might not you know see some value in this relationship they're they're a new york-based company the founder is a long island guy like i do you know i do I see possible the same way it's possible that Jersey Mike's again, these are not Rutgers alums. They're just companies in the area who might see, all right, look, they got it going on Rutgers. This is college. This is as close as we can get to have a New York market college basketball team of some level. That's not already sponsored by a, by a company at uh, St. John's. Uh, So, I mean, it's quite possible that that's, that's what's happening here. I, I, you know, but again, this it's, it is. And I will say, look, look at it as an encouraging thing that Rutgers doesn't have to surrender in the, in the NIL in the marketplace, which of course that's sort of been a feeling like, well, we'll never be able to compete with Duke and Kansas. Well, yeah. All right. Clearly that's not true. All right. A few more good questions here, folks. And when we try to get as many as we can, Andy from Glassboro wants to know about momentum. If they're projecting Ace Bailey and, and Dylan Harper's one and done, what do we essentially have one year with them as freshmen or make a run or what can Rutgers do to keep the momentum going? Brian, I mean, I think that's part of what like this, what's good about this class and what we're not talking a lot about is that this will be a development developmental year for for three of those recruits, right? I mean, like those the other as good as those three four stars that are coming in late summer, old Dylan Grant, they'll be role players. They'll be role players, yes, and they could eventually down the line become the Antoine Wolfolks and the Caleb McConnells. Uh, Bryce Dorch is a kid that they compare a lot to Caleb McConnell, which I think Rutgers fans would gladly sign up for. As far as momentum in recruiting, Rutgers is in with a lot of kids that are highly ranked in the next class. Five-star guard Darius Acuff, five-star guard Trey McKinney, who was on the same official visit as Dylan Harper and Ace Bailey and saw the love Rutgers fans had for them. If he's watching closely their season next year, if he could see them develop over the year, if he could see them have some success with Rutgers and show it's possible to be a highly ranked kid, go to Rutgers, have success, go to the league, that is a strong selling point for Rutgers to give to him. And even the kids beyond. Because by the time... Ace Bailey and Dylan Harper are in the draft. McKinney will have decided where he's going. But the 2026 kids, the 2027 kids, like this is something that you can go into any living room and say, I got this kid. I did this with him. We won this many games. We went to this tournament. We developed him into an NBA draft prospect. It's possible that you don't have to go to Duke. You don't have to go to Kansas to live up to your NBA potential. You could do it at Rutgers. And I think that for a really strong recruiter that Brandon Knight already is, that Steve yeah. Peichel has shown that he has become, 
that's a very, very powerful thing they could bring to any recruiting pitch. Absolutely. The concern is that Brandon Knight might be doing it for uh, his his new team as a head coach. I mean, I just can't I can't can't fathom that he won't be hired. I just can't after this. But anyway, that's a, that's a different point entirely. For Rutgers, though, yeah, you make a great point, and I think that's what's forgotten is this class is those guys would have been the star of the the other guys in the class would have been the star of any other recruiting class. So in some ways, Steve Peichel has sort of set the floor on what he, like he's shown he can get guys. You know, Dylan Harper is. For a million reason, an anomaly. They're not going to get another Tilton Harper. But yeah, I think it shows that you can still get high-level players and build the program. You don't have to scour for the next Geo Baker or some under-recruited kid from New Hampshire. I think that that's what the takeaway I got from this. Um, no, the big thing that we've discussed a bit is they do have to cash in on this. Like as yeah. good of an opportunity as it is to have these players, you can't mess it up in their development, because that will be used against you in recruiting. Of course, yeah. Right? So that, that that's the, the flip side of this. This is a, a very high reward situation with – it's a very delicate balance that you you – you wrote this in your column this morning. This is your one opportunity. You have to cash this in if you're Rutgers. That doesn't mean winning a national championship. That means having a season good enough where people feel like you lived up to the potential that you have in front of you. Steve Peichel has – Used to coaching the Geo Bakers and the Caleb McConnells, those kids you mentioned. He's used to rallying around the idea that they're the underdog and they are going to prove everyone wrong. Now everyone's going to see if they can be proven right that these kids are that good and what you can do with them. We don't know. I mean, that's the that's the fascinating thing about this. We don't know how Steve Pike will manage these kids. It is, and it is fascinating because really, you know, his 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 entire coaching philosophy is built around we're going to take this kid. And we're going to groom him and polish him. In five years, you're going to have a good college basketball player. Now it's like in eight months, we're going to walk him to bro hug Adam Silver on the NBA stage. It couldn't be any more different from the attention, from the pressure, from the priorities. I mean, it is a big change. You got to take a page out of the John Calipari's book and learn how to coach these one and done kind of guys because mo- uh, managing their expectations and keeping them happy is is a whole other element of coaching that Pykel hasn't had to deal with. Managing expectations, keeping everyone happy like th- these are things that are uh, difficult to manage, and uh, it's, it should it's really really going to be fascinating. But I think he's just such a good guy that people love him and want to be just successful for him that that is probably his best strength as a coach so i think he's in a really good position with this group who by all accounts who are reporting and and all this they all also have like great personal connections with the assistant coaches too so it's just a fascinating uh dynamic to this whole class and how it all came together so i think uh it it should be really special and but you're right. Like it's everything, everything. And even the, the Jersey Mike's arena is going to be changed at some point because of this, right? Like they're going to make the big renovations and they got to capitalize on this groundswell of excitement. All right. Two more. Uh, we'll get one joke and one good little story. The first, of course, the joke is can Harper play quarterback? Sorry. Couldn't resist. <laughs> got to bring it back to the football team, which we are not discussing in this podcast. It's an emergency. 
basketball podcast. Uh, good line, though. Uh, and then finally, I asked uh, on the Rutgers Insider, I just said, give me a story. Is there a story about seeing this moment? And a lot of people were just like, hey, look, I teared up. I got emotional. You know, I it, I was angry when Woj. Look, I got a lot of different things. But my favorite one was like from, from someone, my check engine light had been on for three days. I was driving home from work and had the live stream on. The second Dylan put that hat on, the light turned off and my car seemingly fixed itself. A freaking Christmas miracle. I love it. Dylan Harper, the karma of Dylan Harper is if you can get the check engine light to go off in a car, which I tell you mechanics can't even do half the time. It truly is. This is like, I mean, that, that is a day. That is a day for a Rutgers fan. Thank you for sharing that story because, like, you can remember, like, how good of a day that that would have been for, for you. You can both get the best player from New Jersey, the best recruit in Rutgers history, and not have to take your car to the garage. It is a Christmas miracle. Oh, fellas, how you doing? You tired? You, I mean, where, where are we at now? How many hours of sleep are you working on here? Not many, but I'm juiced up. Because I'm thinking about watching Dylan Harper and Ace Bailey at Jersey Mike's Arena. I don't think we've talked about, like, what to expect when they're on the court. Like, people know they're really highly ranked kids and they're going to be exciting. But Dylan Harper is, like, one of my favorite prospects to watch in his class. Multiple coaches I've talked to have mentioned this. Mike Rice, the former Rutgers coach who coached him at a camp in Atlanta this summer, said he's always under control. It always looks like he knows what he's doing. It Like, he's moving in slow motion. And he's doing this against like elite prospects on the AAU circuit to watch him operate in a college environment at Rutgers will be very, very fun. And then obviously there's the absolute freak athlete that Ace Bailey is. Uh, one analyst said that he has to, he goes for too many home runs. That's his major issue. He's always going for the big play, the big dunk, the big three. And when he does land them, it's like something that no other kid in the class can do. So to see Ace Bailey in transition, throwing down a dunk that explodes the roof off the rack. I think it's going to be so much fun. Like that's, that's the one thing that comes back to for me. Like we cover this for our jobs. We go to every game. We've watched some bad Rutgers offenses. So we're, we're watching some bad Rutgers offenses in multiple sports. This is the complete opposite of the Rutgers ethos. And they're going to be so exciting and they're going to be frustrating. That's been very much hammered to me that these are freshman kids. They're going to make freshman mistakes. They're going to make you scratch your head. But when things go right, when these kids live up to their potential on the court in those moments, it's going to be something that has never been seen at Rutgers. And I, that's what's going to keep me going for the next few months, just to getting ready to see something that we've talked about being possible for months. It, it's going to happen, and it's going to be incredible. Pat, maybe we should. That's about as happy as I've ever heard on Second Talk. Maybe we should end there. I mean, there's possible – I don't know. I don't think, I don't think there's any – has ever been more enthusiasm – I guess that's what happens when you drink six Red Bulls in one night and uh, just living on pure adrenaline at this point. So, yeah, uh, wrap it up. Uh, that was terrific. Perfect way to end it. You guys are fired up. You guys got to be fired up. Come on. My of course. Shaking. My, I was trying to type on that live blog yesterday at the announcement ceremony. Like then the Woj bomb happens. I'm like, oh, my God, this is unbelievable. And uh, like my legs still haven't sh stopped shaking. Like I, I'm a nervous wreck still. I feel like I did after Eli Manning and the led the Giants to the Super Bowl. I'm just kind of numb. I'm just like, you know, something. I recognize something incredible happened the night, the day before. But looking back, I'm like, wow, what really? So I'm gonna drink a lot of coffee and myself and try to get jazzed up. But 
All right, everyone, listen. Thanks for your questions. Thanks for listening. I hope we put it in perspective for you. It's a it's a cool moment uh, in the history of Rutgers athletics, and the best part about it, it's just beginning. So we'll sign off from the emergency podcast, and we'll be back very soon to talk about regular stuff. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Rutgers Rant. To participate in the conversation and receive live updates about the Scarlet Knights directly to your phone, sign up at nj.com slash insider.